to me, that's the bigger thing is, is the, is I, am I mentally ready to go out there and feel like I'm going to die? And then <laughs> on <laughs> just trying to like, in like find calm and peace in that, in a way, when I go to the start line in the morning, um, I'll have, I'll have some coffee and like, I'll, I'll put my nutrition with my Red Bull on the bike, but I don't have that before the race because personally, if I, if I have even just a little bit too much caffeine, I'll be so wound up in that pressure of the WTS level where, you know, they've got the music that's boom, 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 and wow, wow, like the whole everything. It's totally created to feel like this title fight, super big deal thing. It's the a complete opposite of any local race you've ever been to. And trying to find, you know, quiet and peace inside of that and almost kind of have this, this calm intensity that's like ready to boil over at any minute but it's like just below the surface and then when the gun goes off it's like letting it all go and that's when it needs to happen that was eric lagerstrom and this is the yogi triathlete podcast Hey, you guys, welcome to episode 76 of the YTP. I'm Jess, I'm your host, and this is the spot where every week we share the stories of people looking, finding, and living their purpose. This show was born from a calling, and that calling came from within the tribe. Having zero idea about podcast production, I dove in, and although I'm sure a sound engineer could do wonders with our show... For now, you've got me behind the wheels and what I lack in skill, I promise you, I make up for in love. Honestly, thank you for calling us to start this pod. It's been such a beautiful experience for all involved, BJ and I, our guests and our listeners, to have these exchanges in the name of community, in the name of never feeling alone, in the name of getting to the other side of fear, finding comfort in the discomfort and following that deep burning desire in our heart without fail and with unwavering commitment to our individual excellence in sport and life. BJ and I have been living super full days, uh, but like I always say, your calendar has nothing to do with how busy you feel. It's how you navigate every moment. So we started teaching yoga at Endurance House in Oceanside. They just built out a new studio and we have a full schedule, seven days, 18 classes a week on top of the four other studios where I already teach. And it's just amazing that I get to to be a part of all these different communities, but I have to say there's something super, super special about teaching at a triathlon store. It has only been open for a few weeks and it's growing. Every day, more athletes and community members are tapping into a willingness to try something new. We have a ton of beginners and it's so amazing to hear them speak about their experience to others even after their first class. I can confidently say that no one is leaving worse off than when they came. So if you're in the area, stop in for a class with us at Endurance House in Oceanside. If you're not local and not planning on being local, you can always catch up virtually with us. Check out Yogi triathlete.com for all of our coaching services including online yoga so if you have raced Oceanside 70.3 that I'm sure you already know about Endurance House but it is the place for triathletes in North County San Diego mostly because it's way more than a store it's a community and as a Friday night it also serves as a pretty sweet podcast studio owners Matt and Sabrina are amazing humans triathletes and most recently plant-based they have fully embraced yogi triathlete they believe in the benefit of yoga for athletes and I'm happy to report that they've been on their mats regularly with us since the studio opened two weeks ago 
They've been super generous to us and we're not special because this is how they are with everyone, including our guest today, Eric Lagerstrom, who is staying in Oceanside and conveniently we were able to hook up with him at eHouse Friday night for our chat. Eric is here for a training block with his team and BJ and I found out about it. So we had to snag him and get him on the mic, but he was so gracious and generous enough to grant us the time because I know he's living out some super full days himself, but we got together and we chatted triathlon, but like all of our podcasts, it became so much more than a question answer interview. There's so much depth to Eric. I love this guy. Like, I love this guy. He's an old soul. He's wise beyond his years. And there's no doubt in my mind that he will live a most enriched life because he has an innate ability to live from his heart and against the grain. But the biggest reason why I believe that Eric is on a path to greatness is because of his mission. He wants to leave his sport better than he found it. And whenever we commit to a mission that is for the betterment of the whole, that is beyond our own selfish desires, and it's one that speaks to us on a deep level, it is a mission that we must pursue. And although sometimes it feels like we're walking straight uphill with no rest in sight, we will be supported by the universe. And those signs are gifted to us. And we should take those signs and move forward. Eric's story is a great example of this, from his first triathlon at the age of 12 to dropping out of college to his Olympic trials experience leading into Rio and his vision for the future. We dive into it all during the next hour and we're psyched to have you guys along for the ride. He gives us an inside look into how USAT recruitment works and a real life account of what the momentum feels like leading into a race with the Olympics on the line. He shows us how important it is to stay awake and ready so that we can move away from the noise and concentrate in the moment. He is creating a movement, and by sharing his love for triathlon, he is bringing more people into the sport. If you like the show today, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Thank you, everyone who has left us a review. We really, really appreciate it. They keep sliding in, but we need more, more, more. Like We need to keep moving up the ranks in iTunes, and it really, really helps for you to leave leave a review. So in this, in this case, I'm saying, yes, we need more, more, more. All right. Also you guys exclusive and early release content every week is being released on our Patreon page. If you've been thinking about pledging your support, you will have full access to all these extras. All right, you guys, let's do it. Let's dive into our conversation with professional triathlete, creative visionary, and a guy that will no doubt manifest his dreams. Eric Lagerstrom. All right, Eric, we're ready when you are, man. Let's get this party started. Have a good one, Matt. Thanks so much. Thanks, Matt. Your livelihood is safe with us. Can I sit over here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's cameras everywhere, right? We're all on camera, so. Just like, I like away. talking about triathlon. Cool. Yeah, that's like, what we're gonna talk we like about. The, we like that. Like yeah. we like more than just you the and triathlon I are stuff. Share. Like it's yeah. more than that. Well, that's what I love about, and I've already got this thing rolling. So. Um, All right. But that's what that that's one of the things that like we wanted to bring you on the show because. First of all, you make awesome videos. Oh, well, thank you. You make really awesome videos. <laughs> it just happens you're a triathlete, too. Yeah. And, uh, and I started watching them after we did an interview last year with Ben. Uh-huh. And he was talking about you. And, and so I went and was just kind of checking you out and watching your videos. And they were great. And then BJ's been binge-watching them 
uh, nice. as of late. Catching up. <laughs> All right. But that's what I, I love. Going back like, to early seasons. Yeah. <laughs> there's like, there's a balance in there for you, like allowing you to have that creativity, but then like the creativity around the sport that you love, that you've made your career. But then also within the videos, like you're showing like the other side of yourself, like when it's off race season and how important that is to you and just like having fun. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, like the biggest thing for me with the videos is that I wanted to bring some personality into the sport. And I think that's kind of something that is missing a lot in professional triathlon. You see people who might be afraid to say that they're injured. Or they're afraid to say that they do something that's anything other than hyper committed or everything's going perfectly. And like, if you think about any great Hollywood movie you've ever watched, it's not the person who's perfect at the beginning and is the winner that they end up winning at the end. No, it's the person who went through trials and tribulations and everything. And I think that's how you become emotionally attached and more interested in any sports or otherwise, you know, figure. It's so important. Like I can take that into our own experiences, you know, as triathletes, but also as like yogis and yoga teachers and you know, the, uh, a lot of people look to us for advice on how to eat and, you know, what works for us and things like that. And it's like, well, you know, I still might get sick. Like, I might still get injured. I'm, I might yeah. not be able to bend over and touch my toes so perfectly. And it's, but that's what you want to see. You want to see that transparency because anything else is just, it's like that surface reflection of of like this imaginary life that everything is is perfect and it's absolutely not and so I think that somebody like you in the position that you're in especially with young kids looking up to you and, and even fellow triathletes and age groupers to be able to see like the waves of your of your career of your life of your year of your day and capturing that on video in such a way you do it so creatively and so well allows us to feel more connected to you as a person and not just somebody like up on the pedestal, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly, that's exactly what I'm going for. So success. <laughs> yeah. Just so, some, yeah, to, to connect, to make people feel things. And, and that's usually the, the test that I try to go through with a video whenever I'm making something or if I'm making a post, it's like, I want people to feel something, to have some sort of connection, you know, like, see a lot of videos out there specifically just because that's what I pay attention to that is just happy, 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 starburst right. and big movement and all this stuff. And the only emotion you ever get is just like, I don't know, epileptic seizure slash intense bass. And, and there's just, there's a lot more to life than that, you know, despite what social media might want you to think. The first video I watched of you was right after the, um, the qualification for the Olympics. Uh, you oh, had made man. a yeah. You had made a video. <laughs> That's the one that like drew me in, and you were, and I just loved it because you were so honest about so the experience real and that you had. Like, yeah. you could just, Did you, you watch were, that one yeah, too? Yeah, you weren't even. It was just you could see your face. Like yeah, that was probably the first one that I ever like looked directly into the camera and sort of switched in that direction a little bit more, a little bit more. I don't know. Yeah, looking the audience in the eye versus at first I would definitely look a little off camera and sort of you know, do it as though I was being interviewed because I kind of liked that style. And then that moment, I guess, that was legitimately the day after I got back and it was still pretty real. And I didn't necessarily have much of a plan for making a video with that. I just kind of had gone to the point of where making videos was like a way for me to process things. Just like anybody who journals, you know, I could 
I'd start it and I'd feel a certain way and through the middle of it I'd realize that I wanted to take it in a little different direction or I'd look at it from a third person's perspective how would the audience receive this and and yeah it's like it's a really good way for me to kind of work through how I'm feeling about something and then and then share any lesson that I might learn along the way yeah because people can or kids these days they can fight through like all that like flair and like the the glamorous stuff in there but being authentic is what people can really relate to Mm -hmm. like I immediately connected with that video I also connected with you did some coverage and you were pulling for McElroy and the camera in the back like and I watch a lot of these races and I watch them over and over and over again because I'm on the trainer and I love watching these races yeah but that perspective like you just don't see how hard they're working in your commentary, they're like, you're pulling so hard just to gain back like two or three seconds on the, on the pack. And that I don't think is, is stated by Barry and, and the other commentator. Like, I just don't feel that. But the way that that was showed and when you pulled that out, it, g- it gave me some insight into like, yeah, this is, this is no joke. Like, the bike is no joke. Yeah. Yeah, and, th- and that's, that's what I've gone for with, with the race videos is uh, it makes me pretty happy because I have people somewhat frequently send me a Facebook message or whatever and say, dude, you know, exactly what you just said. I just watched your video and I, and I ended up buying a triathlon live pass because of it. I had no idea. This is rad. And like that is, you know, is exciting to me as, as race results sometimes, just like feeling that connection, being able to share something that I love with people. And I, I kind of just saw that need in the space of like people just see a, a swim and then they see a fast 10k time. They have no idea what's going on in the middle. And people ask all the time, like when I, the first year that I did those, I only had one GoPro camera. So I just, I always had it facing backwards and people were like, why are you, why you put it <laughs> facing backwards? So you can see people's faces because like, that's like real. Like if you just see somebody's butt and they're like going fast or whatever, you, you don't get the same connection as you did by right. looking backwards and seeing somebody just like in agony and going to 11 just for that one second because the next second doesn't matter yeah you're like push and you had your watts on it i think yeah. so it was like five 450 or 500 watts for like and, I, and that just like blew my mind and then that's just on the bike and then you've got to you've got to run afterwards like yeah. you've got to run hard so it's a constant it's there's no easy there's no easy in this at all like there's no like coasting back and people talk about you get on the bike and you can just kind of cruise in the pack but I feel like it's a constant fight. I feel like it's changed so much even since we've started watching it. Like it just, and same with Iron Man and same with 70.3, like it just, it's not a running race anymore. It's, it's a swim race. It's a bike race. It's, but I feel like, and I feel like ITU has always been like that, but I feel like it's like, it's condensing in even more. Like, you've got to be top-notch in all those things. Yeah, as the sport develops and kind of comes into its own, really, they're, they're, you can't any longer have a weakness. You have to be, like you said, strong at all three things. And even though someone might come and, quote-unquote, win it on the run, those people are still swimming and biking so incredibly hard. hard. They might just, like, have this freakish run, right? It's There's not a gone are the days of where yeah you could just sort of be a really good 1500 meter runner and out kick everybody at the end because it was kind of chill till then it's been really interesting to watch the sport and I think it's kind of been like the result of of major athletes that have come along you know there was this area where there was swim bikers would be kind of be out front and the runner and the biker runners would try to catch them and then I think it was like Simon Whitfield that came along who could just barely swim fast enough and hang on the bike pack and then out kick everybody with a couple k to go 
and then who comes along next? Javier Gomez, and Javier Gomez can swim even faster, make it into that very lead pack, and he can sort of crank the hammer with like 5K to go. And then the Brownleys come along, and they just go at 10 from the very beginning, and they go with 10K to go. And then people have tried to figure out how to beat them. And as so the sport's just like kind of constantly changing. It's pretty cool to see that metamorphosis is if somebody becomes top dog and then everybody has to kind of scramble, figure out how to beat them. <laughs> we're at uh, Endurance House right now and uh, we're getting a message. This is so old school <laughs> that they actually have like, like an answering voice. machine here. Currently taking calls. I don't even know where that is. That's so That's funny. funny. So we're taking a call right now for Endurance House. <laughs> we're not really taking it. Well, that. But I feel like with this, right, with this like... You, I feel like it's more so than ever anybody's, like anything can happen. Because it's, you're not just like, oh, I'm not a runner. Like it's, anything can happen because it's all three, you're racing all three. I mean, it's more so than ever. Yeah, I think, and I think Henry Schumann, like working his way up is kind of, in my opinion, kind of was like that little wedge. Like it's not the Brownleys and it's not Gomez anymore. And it's not uh, Vincent Louis. Like now it's like, there's some people getting up there, and I feel like anything anything can happen. Like Brown, Alistair's out like for mm-hmm. a while, and yeah. So it is. It is. There's there are enough people who are good across multiple disciplines now that they can go super hard on the swim and the bike and kind of see what happens on the run or in in, in a given the, given a different course. That's the other thing that's happening. The courses are becoming much more interesting now, which is largely thanks to Chris Gemmel, who's kind of like... Yeah, he's of, on the ground, right? Head of all things ITU yeah. now, and he's the one who came up with the Auckland course and probably Stockholm and basically anything that's super difficult that's <laughs> kind of got his fingerprints on it, <laughs> which I love. It's awesome. So how do you attack those races? Um, <laughs> lately, what I've been doing <laughs> is, is just focusing on getting to the first buoy. As, as quickly as I can because there's been many times in my career, lots and lots of races where I didn't quite go hard enough to the first buoy. I held just a little bit back. I'm not Gomez. I'm not a 1,500-meter swimmer. You know, I'm a minute slower, so like I have to go completely sell out to the first buoy or the rest of it's not going to matter. If I, you know, I want to make it into that lead pack and go top 10 or top 15 with, with the run capability that I currently have. So... I kind of, that's how I approach the race. Get to the first buoy, address from there, get on the bike, make the lead pack, address from there, and then I like to kind of ramp into the run. But ITU is really like multi, like three cross-country races. Have you ever done cross-country running? It's all about position to the first bottleneck. So everybody sprints way over their maximum speed, you know, to, to get in that position. And triathlon is just that at the beginning of the swim, the bike, and the run positioning is so critical how did you get past that that point where you were kind of holding yourself back to like i gotta go like yeah what was that the pain of failure Mm -hmm. it's it's many many realizations of that still wasn't fast enough oh my god like i need to go harder than that i thought i was going really hard i need to figure out and, and having that sting in your mind of enough times where, you were, where I was just off the back in Hamburg by, of the lead pack by like two or three seconds, couldn't make it, couldn't make it, end up getting 35th place, nobody cares, no prize money, no anything. Not wanting that to happen again. I think the first time I made like lead pack was in Stockholm 
and I could barely breathe getting out of the water, but still jumped on my bike and I was two seconds from the chase from the lead pack and I ended up riding into the back of it. One of my teammates didn't make it. And then once I got there, it was, it wasn't easy, but it was in control. And that's the second realization of, I just went way harder than I could possibly ever hold for the entire length of the thing, but then it ended. And I got to the point of where I went from, you know, 11 and I brought it down to eight. And that's where the, you know, the training comes in and all the hours that we put in is that you're able to recover while still at eight out of 10 or whatever. And that pain was temporary, but it was totally worth it and get 17th place and, you know, <laughs> is that something you guys are, is that something you work on in training? Is that, do you push yourself to that extreme sometimes, like to an 11 in the pool to handle the situation when you come to race day? Sure. I, I keep that in the back of my mind when I do training. I wouldn't say that we necessarily um, frequently go do a set where we go 100 maximum effort and then, you know, what, 1,500 at race pace because to a certain extent you need to save some of that ultimate speed for a race. But I usually like build into workouts and try to finish that fast one at that type of mental intensity, mm -hmm. kind of focusing, thinking about that point in a race. How do you get yourself prepped for that right before the gun goes off? I think it's like kind of in the week leading up to the race when I do my taper workouts and everything that's when it starts is, is a whole week out and and knowing that's going to happen being prepared for that and and not treating each workout as like how does how does this mean I'm going to feel on the weekend or what is this or trying to get any sort of um, last minute training in or benefit just looking at each workout as though like this is just a step that I have to go through to get to the race and all that I'm doing right now is being mentally prepared to go as hard as I can on Saturday or Sunday it doesn't have anything to do with how you feel or whatever it's to me that's the bigger thing is is the is I am I mentally ready to go out there and feel like I'm gonna die and then <laughs> on just trying to like, in, in like find calm and peace in that, in a way, when I go to the start line in the morning, um, I'll have, I'll have some coffee and like, I'll, I'll put my nutrition with my Red Bull on the bike, but I don't have that before the race because personally, if I, if I have even just a little bit too much caffeine, I'll be so wound up in that pressure of the WTS level where, you know, they've got the music that's boom, boom boom, boom, and wow, wow, like the whole, everything, it's totally created to feel like this title fight, super big deal thing, it's the a complete opposite of any local race you've ever been to, and trying to find, you know, quiet and peace inside of that, and almost kind of have this, this calm intensity that's like ready to boil over at any minute, but it's like just below the surface, and then when the gun goes off, it's like letting it all go, and that's when it needs to happen. So this mind, so it sounds like you have a very, you can bring yourself into calm. So you can bring your mind. Most of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> Minus the Red Bull. What, um, do you do any meditation? Do you do any, do you guys have any uh, mindfulness coaching or, you know, mental coaching? Is there anything that, that happens around that? Or is this something that you've just, you've really tapped into yourself over the years of racing and, and you know how your body works, you know how your mind works, you know that there's all these distractions, but you're able to cut through it 
and let that all happen, but just stay remain focused? Like, how do you get to that point? I would say it was this, it's the second of those two things. It wasn't for me necessarily a five-step thing or a process um, that I read about or anything rather than, yeah, year after year of mindfulness of, I, I think, I probably overthink things way too much, but it's kind of all through a, a process, yeah, of, okay, of a self-analysis, like, I'm thinking this, why am I thinking that, how did that affect me, what, you know, can I do this better next time or whatever, and, yeah, like, calm, calm processing, but with anything that I do, I'm constantly kind of analyzing the thought process behind it a little bit, and, um, that, yeah, it's been just a personal journey. What you just described, though, when you're standing, like, on the dock getting ready, what you just described about the energy building and everything around you, like, like intensifying that and you being calm and it's like and you can feel it building 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 like you you just described like what they talk about in the yoga sutras which is like (laughs) the bible of yoga like yoga philosophy which is the science of the mind and and essentially what I'm saying is that so many people it talks about like energy like keeping your energy directed in Mm-hmm. as opposed to like, oh my God, the music and oh, my breath and what, what's going to happen and all this stuff going out. Like it's like leakage of energy and you've got this way about you that you are able to like pull it in and it builds and builds and builds and builds. And this is, this, this is why you are such a high level athlete because this is like, this is what we try and teach like our, our athletes and stuff like during taper, it's like watch the energy leakage, right? Like going down that road of like, am I going to be prepared in four days? Like just be in the workout right now, mm-hmm. be in the breath right now. You're not, you're not supposed to be ready right now. You're going to be ready in four days. And then even right in those seconds before the gun goes off, like just letting it build and mm-hmm. build and build. And this is the ultimate, like this is ultimate power because what you're doing is like you're, you're containing your life force and you're letting it get stronger. Like this super like high level stuff that you're doing. And you don't, I don't even think you realize <laughs> yeah, it. Like, you, it's a, it was a I mean, journey. Course, it was your journey, yeah. like yeah. your own journey. Like you discovered this yourself and you didn't do a five-step process, which is what most people want. They want the book. They want, okay, step one, okay, I do this, and step two, and this is going to lead me, right? This is going to lead right. me right to here. This is the result. Instruction manual or yeah. something. But yeah. what it's like you following, you know, and, and you do, you need to take it in through the intellect. Like, you need to take it in through the mind. you got to process it and all of that. But, like, when push comes to shove, like, dude, you're like, you're like a container of power. Like, that is ultimate high, high level uh, self-containment, like self-regulation is really what it is. And that's the, one of the essences of like what yoga teaches us, our ability to focus on like one thing, one moment. Mm-hmm. It actually like will repattern your brain and increase gray matter, which means more connectivity in the areas of self-regulation, which so, I mean, you see it all the time. People do not know how to regulate themselves. They're no. like freaking out like all the time, right? You, BJ goes to like the athlete meeting at an Ironman. It's like, you gotta just like, you can't even go to those anymore. Like you've I'm been told to, to walk anymore. away. <laughs> but yeah. I wanted to go because I hadn't been one in a while. And I was like, 
you're worried about something you have no control yeah. over. Like that's the way the swim just is. Forget about it. So w- <laughs> just continue to do that. Like let it build. Like and it's like you're so like so your source of power. Like you're it's right in here. It's like right above your navel mm-hmm. and underneath like your heart. And it like you might even feel it like when you're on that dock. Like mm-hmm. to concentrate. I'm giving you a little little yoga a little yoga kriya here. When you're here, feel it all right here. This is like your energy center and let it build in, like to the point where you feel like this is going to blow out, yeah. like, and just build it, build it, build it. And then hit and then hit the water and, you know, and, and do your thing. But like that will even build it more to make your one pointed focus right here. Mm-hmm. in that solar plexus, which is your energy center. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear you just, you know, talk about it and put words more to something that I have guess I've just sort of, yeah, arrived at or just kind of thought about or self-reflected or, or maybe never even thought about, yeah, specifically where an energy or a feeling is coming from or anything. But as you describe it, like, ah, that's that sounds about right, you know, to what I can remember yeah yeah especially oh, can't wait to watch you next time <laughs> hopefully i'll have i'll have it all you know going in the right direction and everything but um it, yeah it's it's probably the most challenging thing for me i guess with it is 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 getting that is 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 getting there when you've kind of feel like you've lost it a little bit on race week you know coming into race week not sure how it's going to go and maybe slightly injured or something it's 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 easy to slide it for me to like i guess say slide into it or mm-hmm. or to come into that focus through a week when everything seems like it's going really well but it's infinitely more difficult to get into it when it, you know there's kind of these questions all the time and every time you go for a run oh it's this there's this thing in my foot and you know being able to kind of, like you said, put, put that out, be in the moment, be like, I just need to do this workout. It doesn't mean something. It's just be here in this moment right now. And that's also what I try to tell people when I'm, you know, describing how to, how to race well. Don't be thinking about the ride while you're swimming. Don't be thinking about the run while you're riding. Everything, like especially the faster racing you do is all about, like I said, you know, if, if I don't make that first buoy, it doesn't matter what happens 10 seconds after that. And if I get dropped from that bike pack, it doesn't matter what happens 10 seconds after that. Just focus on what exactly what you need to do right now and be in that moment. So it's all about nullifying the, do- the doubt. Like you got to nullify the doubt. Like when that doubt creeps in, because it's so available. Like mm-hmm. we live in this super negative world. So all that crap is so available to, and it will hassle you too. It will like hang around, like want you to cling on to it. But you got to nullify that doubt and, and keep doing what you're doing. And so every high level athlete that we talk to, it's the same thing. Like you guys have this ability to bring yourself in, into the moment. And that's what it takes. Uh, to be able to to navigate like one moment at a time because when you're going you know 11 out of 10 um, you got to just like well I don't want to put words in your mouth like what's it like to be going 11 out of 10 to that first buoy like are you in that stroke are you in where is your focus in that in in those times it's it's like it's really hard to describe I guess when I'm when I'm on and I and I and I, it's, it's almost, it's, it's like a sensation of power and it's, it's, it's hard to thinking about your technique is not the way to achieve that kind of like what we'll keep using the word, the term 11, right? It, it's, it's almost like you, you let the instinct and all the things that you've practiced in training take over and you just kind of have that like supreme feeling of, of maximum power 
and like not holding anything back, not overthinking anything. Like you that, get out of the way. If, if yeah, you, and exactly. if you can't remember it, if you can't recall it, then it's almost like you're in flow. You're it's, in that state it is, it is, it's yeah. of flow. flow. So you, you, you're like, I can't. And if you, once you bring yourself back to it, you're out of flow. Mm-hmm. So once, right. you, once you turn that first buoy, you're, don't you're realize, not in realize. <laughs> don't realize. Yeah, the same thing is like, I'm in flow. Oh, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like once you realize this happened to the, in the pool with you the, the other day, you were like, I was in flow. And then I was like, shit, I'm not in flow anymore. And so the definition of flow is the merging of activity and awareness. So when those two things are glued together, whereas for most people, it's thoughts, like the thought life, their thought life and their awareness. And so when you can make space and pull your awareness away and merge it in with your activity, whether that's washing the dishes or going for that first buoy, there's flow. But you don't, and, and I think the, one of the reasons, and it's why I wanted to ask you, because you couldn't really describe it. And so that to mm-hmm. me tells me that that's full on flow. Yeah. And I love how you, like, you just, you, you trust, like you trust that like, you know how to do this and mm-hmm. you step out of the way because you, your mind, it does not need your mind's participation at that point. Right. Like it's just like, do what you know how to do. Let your breath and your body take you where you need to go. And you had said something earlier about like your faculties and like getting all your faculties, like your will, your mind, your body, your breath, your like all of the, your faculties, you're getting them all in the same direction. Mm-hmm. And that's that supreme power. Because every, because everybody's going in the same direction, as opposed to like the mind over here and the will's like over here, and then you've got doubt. You're just like, no way, man. Everybody's like, single file, we're going mm-hmm. first buoy, and then we'll deal with whatever we have to deal with after that. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I love this. All right, so let's back up All a right. little bit. Let's back, back up a little up, bit. Yeah, back yeah. Up the truck. So Eric, <laughs> like, give us a little history. What's your? Where'd you grow up? Where'd you grow up? What's your background? I grew up uh, just outside of Portland, Oregon in a town called Gresham. It's pretty rural. We had, had like a half acre, went to a high school called, adoringly called Cow Pie High. <laughs> and I swam all growing up from like six years old to 18. When I was 12, I did my first triathlon and that sort of started kind of taking over. Swimming took a little bit of a back seat, especially in the summertime. And um, I got really lucky that uh, USAT nationals, age group nationals came to Portland in I think 2007 and eight. So I got to go do that. Um, got third there the first time, won the second time in my age group. And I think I was you know, 11th overall when I was 18 or something like that. And that's kind of when I started thinking more, tri- more long-term with triathlon. I ran cross country and track in high school and college for a couple of years and then um, dropped out and Worked at a bike shop for two years, saved up money as my quote-unquote startup capital, and moved to Southern California to train as a pro. So when you dropped out of college, did you have triathlon on your mind, like you wanted to go for that? Yeah. Yeah, I kind of realized that I was in college only to run cross-country and track and get better at that for triathlon. I didn't really have any idea what I was going to do with an exercise physiology degree. I knew that it was going to require a lot more than a bachelor's degree. And I've never been, I've never really been into school really good at it I got straight A's you know from forever (laughs) until I quit but just I didn't really like it that much I I didn't really like it either I I quit college five times I went to five (laughs) colleges that means you went back to college 
I went five times. times. (laughs) Like I was, (laughs) I was all over the place. Relentless. I was relentless. Yeah. But, um, but I didn't, I didn't have like, I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. (laughs) No, no, I just, no, I just wanted to travel. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to travel. I wanted to experience life. And mm-hmm. school was not for me. Like well, coming you. out of college, I've, I mean, coming out of high school, I felt like everybody knew what they wanted to do. I was like, I have no idea what I want to do. Like, am I supposed to know? No, everybody was thinking the exact same thing. They just didn't want to tell anybody. Yeah. 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 So five schools, five years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. Did you cons- ever consider going back, or you were just like, "This is not what." This is definitely not for me. Um, my parents strongly urged me to consider going back a lot, um, which is great. Probably would have been, you know, a smart choice. But no, I didn't really have any interest, at least in finishing out the exercise physiology degree. Yeah. I went to community college while I was working at the bike shop and training to take business of 101, personal finance, uh, introduction to entrepreneurship. <laughs> bunch of stuff like that. And so if I was going to go back, I'd definitely go back for like an associates of entrepreneurship just to gain general knowledge. But, uh, at this point, especially after kind of going through the process that I have with learning how to shoot and edit video and everything, I, I would pr- much prefer to just buy a bunch of books, read a bunch of stuff online and teach it myself in a quarter of the time. Yeah. Cut out all the stuff that I don't really care about, like, you know, whatever foreign policy exchange and markets and yeah, I think that... <laughs> I mean, that's great, but, uh, you know, it's just, if I want to, like, start up a t-shirt company, I don't really need to know about foreign currencies. Right. I think you just need to keep looking for whatever that next logical step is and uh, and don't do anything that doesn't feel aligned. And yeah. it's all going to unfold so beautifully for you. Like, because you've already, you already have an ability to trust. You already have an ability to uh, manifest supreme power. Like... You have the ability to learn. You create beautiful. You're very creative. You create beautiful videos. You're a great writer, and uh, and yeah, you just got to keep following like whatever that pull is. And maybe that pull takes you to med school. Like who knows? Like all <laughs> channels open, right, right? But just keep following that pull because yeah, let life unfold. I tried to put myself in a box and it just didn't work. Like I just, I kept trying to stuff myself in a box because I thought that's what you were supposed to do. You're supposed to get a job and get a degree and all this stuff. And I lived for many years with like really feeling ashamed that I didn't have a degree. And it was really hard for me. Like when all my friends were graduating from college and going to their graduations, like I would just be holding back tears because I felt like such a piece of crap. But then, but then there was that part of me that was like, this is not for you. Like, I don't even want to wear that stupid hat, like stupid robe. Like I don't want to get like totally wasted the night before and be hung over on like I didn't want any of it but it was like this outside like I think this is what I'm supposed to do but I don't want it and so like just keep following like what I like this path that you're on now like you just keep going like go deep on it like take exhaust it exhausted. and then That's whatever's the next will be there yeah it's so fun like to just take life like this as like just an adventure and a journey yeah 100% uh, that's that's what I've been I've been going for. I mean, I don't uh, to go with your term of exhaustion. That's kind of one thing that I've I've never been good at is pacing myself. When I decide <laughs> that I like something, I just go to the point of obsession. And sometimes, like I can discover if I really like something or not in the course of a week and a half because I get so obsessed with it I can't even sleep. And you know, it just it's it's on my mind, and I learn everything there is to know. But right now, triathlon video, sharing stories, sharing 
you know, that journey is what it is for me. And it's, it's slowly starting to open doors and, you know, here and there I make, I make money off of it. And it's certainly, you know, boosted my profile and kind of like one of the cooler things that's happened to me in the last couple of years, um, you know, when I first started out professional triathlon, I'm going to not even, I might, might not, shouldn't even probably call it professional triathlon since I was not making any money. I had an elite card. <laughs> I, I was turned professional in triathlon probably two years in before I started making money. But, um, my dad, you know, was initially encouraging me, you know, asking, when are you gonna go back to school? When are you gonna take some classes? When are you gonna, you gotta finish this degree? Come on, really like real life and stuff. And then I think it was, it was probably about two years ago just after I'd started videos and I started having okay results and stuff that uh, I think me and my dad were just sitting having coffee and he said, you know, like I'm not really concerned anymore about your future in any way. I don't think you need a degree. I don't think you really need anything. I think whatever, you know, you're going to figure it out. Like I have total confidence. I can go to sleep at night and I'm not really concerned that you're going to make your way in the world and be successful. So, and that was like, Still, when I tell that story and, and I think about it, it makes me super proud. And it was a, it was a cool turning point. Yeah, that's awesome. It's, it's like he kind of set you free. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I, I had been trying to prove that for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. And then to, to like have the person who's this opinion that I value more than anyone else, you know, kind of reaffirm that for me was, yeah, it was, it was, it was really cool. It was freeing. But, but you're t- I want to talk about the warrior path because that mm. right there, as as you as you continue to follow your passion for video and triathlon, you've got these outside sources like pulling you away. Like you've got your dad's advice. You probably had other friends and stuff like, "Hey, dude, you know what are you doing?" Oh, yeah. Like, like let's go. But the warrior path is you just you just keep going, and, and you don't you don't have expectations. You just keep following what you what you love and what you do. For some reason, you're compelled to make videos and share triathlon. You don't, maybe you don't know why right now, or maybe you do, but the, but the point is you're just, you're diving into that because it's, it just feels right for you yeah. and everything else will come, will come, but the warrior path means you stay on, you stay on target, you stay on focus and all this noise around is going to continue to come, but you just stay on purpose, stay on purpose. But then what happens is you get, your purpose gets like, it all gets confirmed, like it conspires to support you. Like your dad saying like, you know what? I'm actually not even concerned anymore. Like, oh my God, that's an amazing weight Mm -hmm. lifted. Like, and so that is no mistake. Like that's a confirmation of like, keep going, keep going. Right. Yeah. It's super cool. It's a really fun way to live. Like lots of high risk. And and you've got a great, great way to tell it. You've got awesome (laughs) videos. Like, is there any other, is there any other format that that tugs at the heart with music and and visual visualization of video like you put the two together and it like it's just like bam yeah like wow yeah i mean music even just in itself is so powerful and then you you couple it with the ability to to show facial expressions and i mean that there's a obviously you know a trick to to capturing real moments like that and, and not having to act or anything um but it's, yeah, it's incredibly powerful, and that's why I, that's why I liked it so much. I just I didn't see any way to really communicate something like that it is that powerful with just a picture or just writing. Yeah. Um, go. I was going to say. Go. You, no, you go. Because <laughs> I want to bring us back. I want to I want to hear more about the. All right, go with that. Okay. I'll come back to mine. 
You're gonna forget. No. I won't. You, okay. <laughs> this husband this happens. Of, husband if, and wife deal. If it's good enough, it'll it'll be there. Yes. Exactly. Yes, Eric. Such a yogi, wow. Eric. How I can't even believe it. I, I don't know. Twenty eight. Wow. Yeah. Yogi. Old soul. Um, <laughs> I, so, I feel thirty five. Yeah. <laughs> Still a decade younger than me. Um, so USAT, you're racing USAT. When do you go to like? start racing on the circuit? Like, when do you go elite? Like, when do you go pro? When do you start seeing the world, man? Like, what a beautiful way to see the world. When when does one, or when did I? You. Me. Um, I guess my first international travel was to Auckland, uh, U23 World Champs in 2012. Um, I'd had a pretty good race. I guess I shouldn't say that. I had a pretty bad race at uh, USA Nationals in... Buffalo, New York, but I looked really good on the bike. So USA Triathlon asked me if I wanted domestique for Greg Billington, who had a really good shot of winning U23 Worlds. And I was definitely not going to get to go there on my own. So I said, heck yeah. We actually came to San Diego to do a test thing. And that went really well. Had made my first pro prize money here in San Diego. And then, yeah, went to Auckland. And after that um, performance that was... Decent enough. I kind of the door was open. I had so a, some cool. dialogue with USA Triathlon, and I started getting an opportunity here and there. And that's kind of the way it works. If you've done something a little bit impressive, if they have an opening on a start list or something that you wouldn't normally be able to get into, sometimes they'll substitute you in and give you that one shot. And if you make good on it, then you get the next opportunity. Up until when you actually have enough points overall that you can just get into any race that you want to get into. So when did that happen, that you were able to start just getting the points and getting into the races? Oh, I wouldn't say that it's even right now. It's, it's, it's a constant thing because when you, um, the way that the point system works is there's a rolling system. So one year from when you get points, they get cut by two thirds. So if you're not currently racing really well for the last year, then your ranking drops. I think I'm only ranked 100th in the world right now. So I can't just get into everything that I want to get into. Um, but... I think it was 2015 was definitely the year where things were flowing the best for me. I went to two races in Florida, got second at one, first at the other one, which happened to be Pan American Champs. So I got a whole bunch of points for that. And then, and I was running really well. So USAT put me into a World Cup and I got 11th there, which was an even bigger result. And then I went to Alcatraz and I won that. And I started having videos, so even if a race didn't go like 100% perfectly, I could tell the story of what happened on the bike. And it wasn't just this like, well, you swam well, and you got on the bike, something mysterious mm-hmm. happened, and then you sucked. It was, I, you know, I, I had a little bit of a way to say, here's what happened. And I think that helped me at some, at some, some key moments. But that, that whole trend in, in 2015 of going to the World Cup, getting 11th there, and then I got to go to a couple WTS races, and I was just so fired up and so, like, honed in on on just... I didn't really even care about the Olympics at that point. I was just trying to do the best that I could at every race and kind of had this excitement about what is possible because I didn't know if what was possible the last race, and I went in there with just this kind of, like, let's go see what happens. Um, I'm going to go as hard as I can. And, and I just kind of I followed that mindset through the whole year, and all the way until the end of the year when I kind of looked back and took stock and I, you know, was in a position to go to the Olympics if I had one more good race. So, you know, looking back on it, I wish I hadn't had that realization. And I just (laughs) continued to maintain that mindset of 
well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go with Harley Cannon and see what happens. You know, it was like you took your, it was like you were in flow. And you were in flow. I was like, yes, wow. yes. I was and then in you like realized. season flow, and then I realized it, and then it all just, you know, I don't want to say it, it fell apart, but it was, um, yeah, it it was, it was tough to maintain that momentum and that mindset through an off season, especially after some people, you know, started doing the like, dude, you've made it this is awesome. Like, this is where you always wanted to get. And, you know, you kind of have to, that's just one more, it's a positive thing, but it's also one more kind of like thing that's not your own thought Mm -hmm. that's telling you, dude, you know, you don't have to be so maniacal anymore. You know, it just, one more voice that isn't. Like, you should have put yourself into like solitary. Like, nobody talked to me. Like, you know, I don't want to read anything. I needed to meditate (laughs) or whatever it was. I I love it. So, um, so it was 2015. The Olympics happened last year. How were you feel like? How were you feeling when the Olympics were going on? Were you just were you psyched for the people that were there? I mean, you're all about being real. Were you just kind of like the sucks that I'm not there? I was totally over it. Yeah. Um, just the whole the pressure going into it, the the pressure that all my teammates felt, and sort of the wedge that it drove between us as we were all Americans all trying to get on, you know, all try, we're all trying to accomplish the same thing. We're directly standing in each other's way. And the intensity of that on a day-to-day basis, three times a day, was just overwhelming. And the, the Olympics hadn't even happened yet, and I had the realization, like, this is just another race. It's a, it's a really big race. It's a really big deal, and a lot of people, you know, I'm not – you know, don't want to downplay something that every, that a lot of people, you know, see as the end all be all. But to me, I just, I felt like this, this wasn't the, the, the crowning achievement of my life. It was one thing that I wanted to accomplish, but my bigger goal was to just feel good about all the results that I had in the sport, feel like I had improved from the beginning, from the time I started triathlon to the end of the triathlon in my career. And, and, the Olympics is like one more, one more notch, one more way to measure that. Yeah, it's all going well. So, and on top of that, I just you know I, I saw a lot of people that that felt that way that like the Olympics was all of a sudden like I'm going to be an Olympian and then and then what you know yeah, like I, they they came yeah. back and just were oh, man I'm the same person you yeah. know like I'm I don't feel different or whatever and so it's it's still something that I. I don't even know what the question was, but I'm just kind of getting philosophical. But it's definitely something that I I still really want to do, but I also don't think is going to like complete me. Yeah, that's so important, though. That's so important. So you're the third person that we've had on the show talking about their Olympic trial um, experience, and and if we can, I'd actually like to talk about the experience that you had at the Olympic trials. The yeah. first was Siri Lindley. You know Siri Lindley? Not so, personally, but yes. yeah. Okay, so the first was Siri Lindley, and hers was going for the 2000 Sydney Olympics, and she was like so hardcore, <laughs> like visualize, visualize, like so, like just focused and to a point where she had zero flexibility, and mm-hmm. then when like. It's like a little tweak in the day. She fell apart. She was like, I didn't prepare for this. Yeah. Um, the last was um, Suzanne Davis, who we just had on a few weeks ago. She's um top age grouper. And she went for, uh, what was it, Sydney Olympics? Sydney Olympics, yeah. Yeah, Sydney Olympics for triathlon mm-hmm. as well. And what happened with Same her story? With her. She just, oh, she just didn't like... She, 
she from the first stroke, she was like, like didn't out. have it. Like the body was just not like just. She was like, it just what it was just you know wasn't there. It didn't happen. Um, but anyway, it, and just talking about how and so what her realization was, and this is what I'm, I'm getting back to is like. Suzanne was so defined as a triathlete mm. that when she didn't make the Olympic team, it was like, what who, else is who there? am I? And she had to walk away from the sport and she walked away and she had to take a break and she didn't come back like for a while. Mm -hmm. But now seeing her, she's 46 and she's like top notch, like top Ironman age grouper. She's just in Kona. And, um, and just her her wisdom now 20 years later and you know her attitude of gratitude and looking back at at that and seeing like my god like I was so defined by that and so when you were saying like you know the Olympics the Olympics and people coming off the other side of it like well I'm still who I am like mm -hmm. it's not like we can get so tied into how we're labeling ourselves like we don't even realize we're so attached to it and then on the other side of it it's like oh well, I still have to like make breakfast and clean the dishes and mm -hmm. like it's the Olympics are over and now it's like this moment I got to move forward and so a lot of people don't know how to do that yeah but what can you will you share will you share about your experience with the Olympic trials like yeah yeah I mean I, <laughs> um and leading in too because yeah you it was quite a struggle leading in too you mm -hmm. with your yeah um, so injury. leading leading into it um no, like yeah, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I didn't know the story. Kind of coming off of off of off season or whatever, and things were going okay. But I would say just overall, with leading into the Olympics, new sponsors and everything, like there was a little bit, there was more pressure. I felt, and you know, you just you get emails regularly. You know, how how's it going? You know, like mm. Olympics are coming up, and you know, we're so excited, and we want to get working on your Olympic kit. And hey, I'm, I I haven't talked to you in five years, but I can't wait to get a ticket. You know, all this kind of stuff, which. <laughs> A lot like, of noise. I, I'm decent at handling, but it, it's so much and it builds up and it's just constant that I think I was forcing, I was forcing things a little bit more rather than just kind of letting it, letting it come naturally or whatever. And, and that sort of kind of came to a head in, in an, a series of track workouts in, in one week and then one specific run where I went out and my hip was kind of bugging me, but I just kept going on it and, and it went from uh, just kind of bugging me to stabbing pain. And I was like way out in Penasquitos and had to walk back to the car for like an hour and it, cause I couldn't even, and, wa and walking hurt. And that was like, I had all of a sudden just like blown out my TFL, whatever the right word is for it, had t full blown tendonitis, could barely run. And leading into Olympic trials, I think I just started running like two and a half weeks before and when I say running, that's like 30 second, 8% hill repeats on the treadmill, mm. you know, a couple times a week. How far out from the trials was, did you have this experience on the trail? It was probably, I'm going to say three months. Mm. And, and I went for probably at least eight weeks of just maybe running once a week and realizing that it still hurt and not being able to figure out what was going on and just, and you're like, is it better? Is it huge, not better? Is it? Yeah. Huge Ugh. block of time where I was just not running and I was able to do some riding, but you know, even swimming in certain, at certain points would hurt. So it was, I totally went into that race with a, like, 
I have no idea what's going to happen. I have no idea what it's going to feel like when I run on actual ground. But like it's you know it's the Olympic trials, so I'm just gonna gotta go. Just gotta go for it and see what happens. And I mean, um, I swam not very well at all. Um, and then luckily, I mean, I rode I rode really hard in the first in the opening miles, and I did get into the lead pack. And then I think the lead pack just kind of swelled up and was pretty big. And then it was really just gonna come down to a run between me and Ben Canute and. I still I mean, I had a really good run considering what I had been able, training I'd been able to put in. I think I ran right at 33 minutes, uh, maybe just a little under. I can't remember, but Ben ran 25 seconds, 20 seconds, whatever it was, faster, mm. and and that's what it took. So was this San Diego? Was it, no, was Chica- Yokohama. Yokohama was the qualifying. That's yeah. right. We had we had multiple races leading up into that, yeah. and the ones that I had done really well at were Stockholm. Edmonton is where I got two top top twenties that kind of all of a sudden took me from not even in the conversation two. to like sitting in third position or whatever it was. So and the US only had two spots, right? We had three. So we had three. it was my two teammates, Joe Malloy, Greg Billington, and then Ben Canoe. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was first alternate, so whatever. But I didn't go to they didn't feel like taking me, just given kind of the uh, logistics of, of Rio. But, you know, we say, like, anything can happen. And when we say anything can happen, we always think about, like, anything can happen. I could win. But, like, anything can happen. Three months out from the Olympic trials, you can, like, freaking mm-hmm. blow something on your body. Yep. And you just don't know. But the thing is, like, you showed up. Like, you showed up. And you you actually, it sounds like you had a really good race considering what you had, like, what you had to deal with. You just You just took what you had, and then you poured it out at that race. And then that's what it was. Yep. And then you got to move forward. Yep. Right. I don't feel bad about it. I don't feel like I did anything wrong. I did absolutely everything I could that season, mm-hmm. you know, try overcoming that obstacle, seeing that obstacle is, you know, is a learn is a learning, a growing experience. And, you know, that I, I cannot look back at that year and be like, oh, if only I would, you know, no. the only thing, if only I would have maybe, you know, not gone up for that run when my leg hurt, but I'm going to use that. Yeah, but there that, was a, that's something that I learned, I, I learned yeah. for the future. So, but there was already something brewing there. Like it was right. already brewing. It's right. And but I mean, going back to like what we were saying, like exhausting. Like you exhausted that experience. Yeah. Like there was no question. You took it to the finish line, mm-hmm. and then you had the answer. Yeah. But I think that there's was there a lot of answers and 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 things to take away from it, as with everything, as with everything. And so, yeah. you know, there's. And, and to look at all, and to look at like our whole life, right? It's just, life is just a series of moments. That's all it is. It's a series of moments. We add like these flavors to these moments that crossing the finish line of the Olympics is more important than when you pick your toothbrush up in the morning and you brush your teeth. But it's actually, it's not true. Those moments are exactly the same. They're completely neutral we charge them up with our emotion, our labels, our using our mind to judge them as better or worse, right? They're just, they're, life is just a series of moments. And so, they're, and so looking at life in that way, it's really cool that we have this free will that we can say, oh my God, this is an awesome experience. I'm gonna add some joy to this and have a lot of emotion and have a great time. But to look at life in this way, there's no good or bad. It's just experience. 
like there's no good or bad. There's just experience. And you walk away and you say, okay, what could I, what, what do I get to take from that? Because furthermore, like this, this walk of life that we're on, these series of moments, like if you start looking at this earth as a school. Yeah. Like it's a school. And so screw degrees. Like we're getting degrees every day. And so in this school, we can, we can skip grades, we can graduate, or we can get held back. Right. And so it's like, what kind of, what kind of student of life are you going to be in every moment? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, uh, I, I think I, I, I tell people or, you know, my personal feeling is that it is, yeah, I agree. It, the only kind of race that, or, or moment or however you want to define it, that is like, could be considered quote unquote, like a failure is one that you didn't grow from when they didn't, that, that, you know, if I, just went to a race and just kind of like tried to forget about it yeah. You know, versus taking a moment and okay, I am sure there's somewhere in here that I can either realize that I did a good job and, and you can use that again, you know, to, to work on that, uh, on that power, like of going to the starting line, or I'm sure there's a moment in here that I could have done a little bit better and I'm not going to like kick myself over it rather than just, I'm going to do that better next time. And so that's, I think that's just like a good way for sure to look at everything is, what can I take from this experience and be a little bit better in the next moment in the next day, next year, whatever. Yeah. So you're coming off your season and what yeah. do you got? What do you have coming up? I'm yeah, I'm not quite done yet. So, um, Oh, Island house, right? I'm, well, two days from now, if today's <laughs> Friday, Friday. Whatever, on Monday, I fly to Korea to South Korea to race the Tongyang world cup. And one week after that, I'll be in Japan, Miyazaki world cup and I'll go to Florida for about 11 days or something just to be there, um, good t- place to hang out before flying straight to Island House. So then Island House is for sure the, the biggest one of these three races. I'm kind of taking the, the first two to get a few more ITU points, maybe pick up a little bit of money, but sharpen up for sure for Island House because that's going to be fast and furious and stack for all the dollars yeah yeah that so, seems so much fun and, and they have great coverage too yeah. like the coverage of some of these events are who amazing who puts together island house luke, i know this luke but McKenzie. oh luke mckenzie yeah. nice nice he's local here yeah he's down there yeah down the road so for people that don't know about island house like describe it like it's, it's invitation yeah, only yeah invitation only stage race triathlon super high stakes and when they say invitation only they just basically bring in you know, kind of a collection of the most interesting, fastest people. What, you, know, you know, if you put together a boxing match, you don't just put together somebody who's obviously going to win or there's no backstory or the two athletes don't hate each other. Like, this is, they try to build something out that's going to be really interesting for television and for a broadcast and, and taking that kind of an approach of trying to put on a show rather than just trying to put on the perfect race. It makes it super exciting. So, like, the first stage on... I guess, I think it's a Friday, Saturday. So on Friday morning, we'll do a sprint, super sprint distance, starting with a, it'll go run, bike, swim, straight through time trial, individual time trial. And then they'll take like the times from that and they'll add them to the afternoon event, which will be like a swim, run, bike, run, bike swim or something like that <laughs> all adding up to awesome. I, I can't remember exactly um you have just, to watch it's just going to be hard for a yeah. di- di- total length of a sprint distance triathlon so they'll take the 
the times from that and from the morning thing, and on the third day, on the second day, the final stage is just a sprint distance triathlon, and they'll start the first person with the fastest time, and then whatever your deficit is to that time, they send people off. So the first person across the finish line is the winner of sixty thousand dollars. Nice. Yeah. How deep does the prize purse go deep? Ten deep. It's nice. like the best breakdown possible too. Tenth place still gets ten thousand. Nice. That's yeah. awesome. It's Sweet. it's great. Like this is basically if you want to look at a case study for how to put on an incredible event that's good for the sport and good for viewership and good for the athletes and, and everything, this would be it. Well, I mean, a triathlete has put, it, put it together. <laughs> that helps a lot, doesn't <laughs> it? <laughs> Maybe that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> mm, but it's like ex- it. it's so exciting because they're mixing it up. This, yeah. And it's it's not just your typical triathlon. Like oh. you're adding like you're there to race triathlon, so it doesn't matter what order you put it in. Mm-mm. Like how many of us have just gone to the pool and then run immediately afterwards or gone from a run to the swim in a workout training session? Right. So it's just mixing things up from the traditional norm of mm-hmm. what, you know, what school, you're supposed to go to school. Like this is how triathlon's supposed yeah. to be. Like mix it all up and bring the entertainment value in so people want to watch it Yeah, and get into the sport. Yeah. Like I'm so stoked for this mixed, re- re- mixed relay. Like there's yes. nothing more exciting to me right now and i think it's from um hamburg and the people just jumping off the dock like mm-hmm. like crazy like crazy yeah that's gonna be super fun people are, do you have any interest in that I, for olympics I'll, in if tokyo i'm 100 honest i have had 100 percent interest in that for like the past four years i've tried out to be on the team since the year that alan webb did it was the first year oh, that i okay. tried to be on the team i went there specifically for it i've always nominated said I wanted to do it uh, a couple of times now they've said the fastest athletes on Saturday will be the ones that we'll use in the race on Sunday and I still haven't been into it so yet yet, yet. I don't know I, I, I feel like I have a little bit of a curse of that <laughs> With the like, mixed. I want to do it super bad super badly and um, I just keep not getting to but it I, hasn't been the right time I guess not Patience. so so 100% yes I would love to be involved in that in in the Olympics for USA, and um, I'll, it'll be it'll be in the back of my mind. With yeah, training. it's gonna be in the back of our minds would, yeah. for you. I would, I would, I get more excited about that than I do about the the individual yeah. race on a lot of occasions. Just for exactly what you're talking about, it's 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 something different. It gives people a reason to talk. It's it's very obviously, and for you know for America, it's I you know I think relays. You know, I grew up swimming. Like it, it brings the best out of everybody and is, you know, spectators. Athletes, and it's a team. Everyone. Like you're, you're finally, like you're a team, you're USA, but mm-hmm. you're a team. Like you're actually like yeah. tagging someone. Like it's all part of the, the collective. I yeah. I, that, that's probably one thing that if, if I could change it about triathlon that I yeah. would, it would be that there were, there was more of a sense of team, the individuality of it and the, the personal fight and journey is, is awesome and everything. But I've always had a, like a cooperative mindset. I like sharing things with people. I, I, you know, it was it's infinitely more enjoyable for me to go out on bike ride with another person so we can talk about the experiences from the ride than, than trying to just, you know, whatever, go out there. Some days you got to be by yourself, but mm-hmm. for the most part, I like, I like sharing things. So what are you doing here in San Diego? Just training, getting, getting some sunshine because it's raining in Oregon right oh now. God, it's, it's so cold everywhere. Here. Yeah, it's, I, 
just wake up every day. I'm like, what do you know? Another sunny day in San Diego. And today was like amazing. It was like really balmy and there was like kind of, like the clouds were moving so fast. Like there was some sun, there was some clouds. And of course now we like, we love, we love the clouds because we don't get them a lot here. Mm -hmm. But, um, how, and so you're here until Monday and then. Yep. I'm so glad we caught you. Me too. I, I'm really glad that I and we're actually here, like, answered a... my t- Twitter direct messages. I know. I've been, I mean, I don't like do Twitter at all anymore, so just oh, got super fortunate. See? Perfect. And here we are, and it's late night. It's like 8.30 on a Friday night. Oh we got gosh. three triathletes it's here. wild. I, yeah, <laughs> totally sober. Rager. <laughs> yeah, it's a rager. I know. We know we, we need to be up early yeah. tomorrow too. So, uh, but your coach is here, right? Yeah. Yeah. My coach is Paulo Sousa, coach of the triathlon squad. I joined that group back in end of 2012 and kind of been following him around, um, more or less for the past, I guess, whatever it is, six years now. Nice. And, um, just being in that kind of that group environment. I don't like it 100% of the time. Cause it's like I was saying before the Olympics, it gets a little bit intense, but a lot of the time, you know, knowing someone else is going to be at the pool someone who push you a little bit out of your comfort zone is super, super valuable. So you're here training with them now, like mm-hmm. the team. Yeah. But that's who ta- Taylor's on that yeah, ta- team. Taylor's Taylor baby. Yeah. 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 We're, we're, we're trying we're to waiting. connect with her when we're she waiting gets for her back. to land. She's kind of all over the <laughs> we're, place we're too. We're roommates right now. So. Oh, are you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. Tell her Our, how much fun you had on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I will. I'll no, just, <laughs> we've been I'll in touch with her for a while. Super peer pressure. She brought it up. She mentioned she really wanted to come in, but just like couldn't make it work for whatever reason. Oh yeah. No, she's super sweet. She actually just sent us an, an email She's, yeah. so we're going to connect with her when uh, when things calm down yeah so uh, we got to ask the question like with all these all the video you're taking yeah how long does a workout actually take <laughs> by setting up the camera and getting all those great angles and it looks like you have the the a drone the drone yeah every piece of technology adds yeah. a little bit of time on so how does that work Phil um, saying, give us some, give us the back scene. So I, <laughs> I'd say if I if I shoot something the way that I really want to shoot it, everything takes twice as long. So that's why I've almost never filmed anything in airports anymore. I don't ever film hard workouts. Like I I, I leave the the filming and stuff for the for the chill days when I can just kind of carry the camera along with me and and if, if I stop to fly the drone for five minutes, like it's not just gonna. You stop to change a flat tire every once in a while. So I just get less flat tires and fly the drone every once in a while. <laughs> um, but I've, I've kind of had a rule for, for, for a long time that I, or my a motivation or a goal is that I like to try and stop as, as little as possible with, you know, while still getting some cool shots and stuff. But, it, it, you know, it, it's hard to say for sure. Everyone I do a little bit differently. Sometimes I'll do a bunch of POV and, you know, I just like have the camera and I like to carry it in my mouth because then I can like turn my head and look and I can also take it out and like actually point it at something. And that's kind of like a real quick way to do it when, you know, putting, just putting a camera down on the ground and going back and getting it. Back and and like, it's yeah. just, like this just gets really dumb. So um, ideally... Like the situation is, I have another person with me, like my my teammate Mac McIlroy. Who, he's actually a film major. Um, the two of us can go out together and you know get a, get a couple shots of each other, and that's where like the really cool stuff comes from. Trying to shoot stuff of yourself, like I definitely hit a wall with that. Probably I don't know. What, I guess I could call it season two, <laughs> you know, <laughs> where I kind of hit a wall of like I'm done just filming myself, and I'm kind of tired of it, and I feel like I can't be as creative as I want to be, and it's just frustrating. So I had to sort of pull back from that and. And wait a little bit, be a little more planful with, with stuff. And I think that longest training day, is it the longest training day? Oh, that the you solstice had? session. Yeah, when yeah. you came oh, up on that beautiful. mountain. 
Yeah. And I think you had the drone going at that point. You guys did the circle around the top and then came back down yeah. and were racing down. When we got that shot, so I didn't have to film any of that. That was full on like dudes with $50,000 cameras. Um, <laughs> that was so beautiful. Oh my yeah. God, the yeah. sun and the views. Yeah. Tell, tell them that. Call them up. Tell them they need to right. a solstice sessions too because that's, that's like kind of the first step in the direction of where I want to go with sort of creating a little bit of a movement inside of triathlon that would be akin to like the free surfing movement where you have these athletes who, you know, I, I don't necessarily compete, but they make this huge statement and bring a whole bunch of new people into the sport by getting them excited about it. And it doesn't have anything to do with how far you went. And I had to be really adamant with that, with solstice sessions. I first told them, you know, like I want it to be this kind of soulful thing where I share my love of the sport and I want it to be a super long day, but just, just because, you know, and they're like, okay, well, we're going to add up all the miles and we're going to you know, get all this. In. And I was like, I'd be like, it's, it's not what it's about. I understand that and I understand the public's really into that, but like, I just want this to be about the joy of the activity and doing it with friends. And that's kind of, that's how we got the vibe of it and how we got all the shots. And I'm really happy with how it turned out. And delivering people always what they think they want is not always they don't always what know. They, yeah, they don't always know. They just yeah. know what they know, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's huge. And I find that a lot teaching yoga. Like students who like rebel or resist, like they want more and more and more. And it's like, you know, you can't even focus on one breath. Like <laughs> I'm not giving you more, uh -huh. right? You know, it's like what they want. They don't always, number one, they don't always know. Um, and it might not be what they need because I think the end result of that was so beautiful and there was so much emotion and of course I love the, the solstice anyway like the, mm -hmm. the 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 whole thing with the solstice and the and the word solstice like what that actually represents is the moment when the earth pauses and changes direction really that's what the solstice is the solstice is the moment when the earth pauses huh. and then starts to move you know either closer or further away from the sun depending on what time of year it is. And I just love that. It's like, holy crap. Like there's like the world actually pauses, like the globe, like who right. is even controlling this? Like this is insane. So it's really, really cool to, um, I think to, to honor that, like in, in whatever way is, is meaningful to you. Mm -hmm. But I just love that moment because we're actually, we're on this like ball, right? We're like, spinning around in the middle of freaking nowhere and there's something that makes it pause mm -hmm. and say, okay, I've got to turn directions now. Right. No, it's like a, a whole new, I feel like new beginning or just, mm -hmm. yeah. No, that's mm -hmm. really, that's really interesting. I had no idea about, about that, but it, it, it actually is kind of it, fitting with what I was absolutely. trying to do with, mm -hmm. with that film. So, yeah. So the, so, okay. So we're talking about this. Where can people find like, find you on YouTube and where can they watch all these videos? Uh, they can, I mean, I, I try YouTube? to put out it across multiple platforms, but, um, yeah, I'm on YouTube and I think if you put Eric Lagerstrom into YouTube, my channel will probably come up. There's one other Eric Lagerstrom out there who makes music. That's not me. Um, <laughs> the other place you can, <laughs> he's a golfer. <laughs> yeah. He's actually from Sweden still. <laughs> my family, my family came over here several generations ago. Um, but the other place, something that I've been working on is called transition4.tv. And that's kind of a site that I've set up that's sort of uh, loosely modeled off of Red Bull TV in just that I wanted it to be a very clean way for people to go and, like you said, binge watch videos or, you know, cut out all of the 
there's no text, there's no links, there's no anything. It's just video player. You can sit on the trainer and just hit play and yeah. it's kind of like auto go, or you can go click on a playlist of POVs or a playlist of Trevor Wirtel's funniness. I've got like Trevor Wirtel and uh, Matt Mack and then one other guy, Chris Ganter, who's an off-road athlete, kind of all contribute content to that. And my long-term vision for that would be that I can host other people's content and kind of have this place where people go to get stoked on triathlon. You know, you have places that people go for news and to hear what happened in the Ironman yesterday or the wherever, but there's not like a, a place that's like, man, I just don't want to get on the bike right now. Where am I going to go to kind of get excited? Oh my God, that's you, BJ. That's, it's totally me. Like, <laughs> I don't even totally watch like you. movies gotcha. or shows anymore. <laughs> it's just like I go to YouTube and I find like a group of things and then, you know, they have the recommended. Yeah. But if it was just one I station, it. I just want to shuffle and play and yeah. just watch awesome video coverage with music and cool, doing cool things. That's really all I want to awesome. yeah, watch. And we'll put links in the show notes. Um, but I just want to say like, I love what you're doing and and hearing it and having this like exchange with you in person, you're just like, you've got this love and you're creating this movement and like, keep going, man, because I think these visions that you have for what you want to create are very much within your reach. And so keep doing it because you're really good at it and you're, you're, you're sharing your love and you're making other people fall in love with the sport too. Well, thanks a lot. That's like the, the absolute best thing I could hear is that it's uh, having the desired effect because you never know. I just kind of put stuff out there and, you know, you see numbers, likes, whatever, and what does it really mean? But when somebody comes back and tells you that it accomplished exactly what you were going for, that's like, that's the coolest thing to me. Awesome. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. The universe telling me to keep (laughs) going. so awesome. Into it. Awesome guy, right? Great insight, honesty. I felt like he was so gracious and grateful. And here we are at 8.30 at night on a Friday night and he shows up. He shows up in every sense of the word for this community. He's bringing a call to action and we are right there behind him. So definitely check out the show notes for links to stay connected with Eric. We are sending him major high vibes for his upcoming races. Thanks again to Matt and Sabrina for lending us their amazing try shop for this episode and definitely put a visit to Endurance House on your list when you're here to race 70.3 in April. I'm sure we're going to be offering some cool community events with those guys, so stay tuned. Thank you everyone for your support of the show. Please share with your communities. It only takes a click, a mere moment to help us further our mission to create a better world. This community is so strong and getting stronger every day. You guys are interacting with each other on social through our posts and becoming friends outside of YT. Like we just had our athlete Liz, I just have to say this. We had our athlete Liz running the Marine Corps Marathon this past weekend and our good friends Jen and Brian, who majorly hooked us up on the Ride the High Vibe tour last year, made vegan pancakes for Liz's pre-race breakfast and delivered them to her hotel. It was just beautiful, you guys. So amazing. Keep it up. Live every breath. Get curious about how you're moving through the world. Take time to be still every day. Roll out your mat and release the cobwebs that are limiting your expansion. This is the Awake and Ready Life. And it's for those who are into living their fullest, most joyful, intelligent, loving, badass life. <laughs>